While we've tried to be as helpful as possible, this podcast should not be considered professional financial advice. It contains general information only, and you should seek out independent professional advice on your personal situation before making any financial decisions. We've got one family in Geelong that I think we've just built the 11th home in their family in 14 years. So we built for the parents and then the kids and the cousins, and I've received some lovely letters from them over the years. Welcome to Building the Dream, a podcast by Metricon, all about the process of building a new home. I'm your host, Cecilia Ramsdale. I'm a mum of two kids. I am a voice actor, a podcaster, and I have a sneaky love of houses and all things real estate. Now, I, like many of you listening, have bought houses before. I've renovated. I've even rebuilt entire parts of them. But one thing I've never done is build a whole new house from scratch, but I've always wanted to. So in this series, I'll be speaking to the experts at Metricon about the process of building a brand new home. Together, we'll explore all the steps in the process from first deciding to build new to actually getting the keys. And by the end of this series, you and I will both know if we want to take the plunge. So in the last episode, we spoke all about why you should build new. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about where you should build and how you even figure that out for yourself. So today, I'm being joined by two of the team from Metricon to give you everything you need to know when it comes to choosing a location for your build. You obviously need land to build your brand new house on. So how do you find that land? What kind of land do you need? Can you use your existing block? I started out by talking to Dave Shorten, the state sales manager for New South Wales at Metricon. As you're about to hear, Dave's a passionate guy, super switched on, and in our conversation, he really helps to lay out the whole process for me. Now, from my time chatting with people from Metricon, I've learned that the home building process really is a journey, and everyone has a favourite part of that journey. So to kick things off with Dave, I asked him about his favourite part of the build. It's probably the part where you can actually see a block of land that probably at the time that you meet the customer, it's still cow paddock yet to be developed or something. And it can go from that stage to a house coming up out of the ground. That's the thing that is really exciting. And I think that if they've never built before, the first time that they see the slab being laid, the frames going up, it's really, really exciting. And you, know, you see a lot of pictures of families with their kids at the temporary fences looking in and seeing the frames go up. It's pretty cool. It's interesting too when you are part of that process because I think we have trouble visualising space and so when you've got the frame and the slab there and the room sort of marked out and everything, you can walk through it but it still feels weird because there's no furniture or anything so you've got spaces but then it's hard to visualise how big they are compared to what you're going to put in them and all of that kind of stuff. How do you reassure people that it's going to be okay? Everyone at some point in time has walked through a fully completed house with no furniture in it, you know, whether you're going to see a rental or anything else. And even at that stage, when rooms don't have furniture in them, they look tiny. 
And I think that the way that we try and walk customers through that, that do have trouble sort of visualizing or conceptualizing what we're doing is we try and find a customer's home that we're still in contact with that we can walk them through or a home that's under construction or a display home that has similar dimensions and we can send them across to have a look at those areas because while we might not be building that exact home that's on display, we can find a room that's, you know, four by three that's got a bed in it that can give you an idea of what you're going to get. Yeah, let's have a look at where to build. How do I actually go about doing this? If I've only bought a pre-established house, like you talk about the cow paddock, how do I know which bit of land is going to be the right one for what I want? The best thing to do would be to speak to one of our new home advisors because they have connection to not only the land in their immediate area where their display home is, but they are understanding of all the different areas across Australia that Metricon has. The next thing would be once we do hone down all the areas, the land developers, especially some of the bigger ones like a Stockland or a Lendlease, They've got great sales officers that have flyovers of where the blocks and the stages are going to be. They've also got information about the upcoming schools and amenities and everything else that happens in that area because obviously in the new subdivisions that used to be cow paddocks, a lot of the amenity is being built by the land developer. So that's something that we are able to help customers through as well. And I suppose the other thing that's been very interesting after sort of the COVID work from home phenomena is that a lot of people are looking to move down to the country or have a tree change or a sea change or something. And a lot of the time they're coming from the city, so they definitely don't have any idea of the areas up there. So we definitely recommend speaking to an expert in the area because we're connected with all the local real estate agents, the local developers and everything and can really sort of help find a deal for the customer. And I guess also having the local knowledge of the different areas makes a big difference in terms of knowing the soil and the orientation and all those kinds of things, which does impact the house quite significantly. We've got technology that we use once we do find your specific block where we can put the house plan that you choose, we can blow it up into 3D, we can spin it around so you can see all the dimensions of your backyard, everything you need to do, where you might put the pool, all the other things. But it also shows you throughout the year the solar orientation, so where the northern sun is going to be pointing. So that helps us with our choice of what house to go on the block. It's not just about finding a house that fits on the block. It's about finding the best house that fits on that specific block because we're thinking about livability and all the other sides of it. So If we think about the customer that they're going to have a housewarming party and they're going to be showing all their friends once it's completed and we've got a design element or or the wrong house on that block and they're asking who's the builder, we don't want that to be our name on that. We want it to be the opposite. So we really want to think about all those factors when we're putting a house on a block of land and suggesting the right one. I think it's good too to be able to address all of that because that's one of the big differences when you're building new compared to, say, buying an old house and renovating because when you do buy the old house, you really don't know what's going on underneath the soil. I mean, personally speaking, we did an extension to our old house a couple of years ago and we had this great idea where we'd put a slab out from the existing house to make a little hallway, linkway to the new bit. And the first, that was the first thing they did, the diggers in and there was a septic tank right under where this (laughs) thing had to go. So all of a sudden we had to fill it. They had to dig it out. It cost and added, I don't know, $4,000 to the cost or what have you because no one knew it was there. So there are a lot of unknowns. And so if you can tackle those head on, it's a much better process, I think. 
Definitely. And if we can find multiple versions of that where we can save money on that component and that $4,000 can go back into the house to put some um, features that you actually are going to add value to. Yeah, that's right. As opposed to the dirty big hole that got filled <laughs> yeah. up for $4,000. That's yeah, right. Exactly. That's right. Dave really painted a great picture about how to get started when thinking about where to build. And I want to come back to him at the end of the episode. But I still had some more questions and I decided to speak to someone who's been there before. So I spoke to Phil Barrett. He's the General Manager of Regional Housing in Victoria at Metricon. Phil is an absolute veteran of the home building industry with over 40 years experience. He's also got a wealth of personal experience to share, having built quite a few homes for his own family. As you might be able to guess, Phil really loves home building. So to kick things off and to get an idea of just how knowledgeable he is, I decided to ask Phil how many homes has he actually built? I think it's somewhere around the 12 to 15 marks. I love that you can't remember the exact number. I think it's somewhere around 12 to 15. I mean, I've built homes that my growing family has lived in. My daughter lives in a metric on a home and a metric on a state. And the beauty of that, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is that by actually building homes yourself, you stay up to date with the challenges and the decisions you have to make as to what to include. And I can tell you right now, I mean, and the last home I built was about two years ago. After I finished that, I thought, oh, I should have done this. And you would think that someone had built as many homes as I have. I would have thought about that. But even for us that are involved in this business every day, and many of us have built homes, we forget to do certain things or include certain things. So for a person that just builds for the first time and builds once, imagine how much guidance we really need to give them to achieve the right result. All right. Well, that's a good lead into talking about the idea of where to build. Personally, I would think that where you want to live is the most important thing, but I'm finding out through these chats with everybody at Metricon that that's not necessarily the case. Let's have a look at it. So when someone comes to you and they want a new home, is where they are going to put the home the most important thing for them? Well, no, it's a start. I mean, obviously people have a preference to where they want to live, whether it be near family or friends. But also for many, they can't afford to buy a block in the inner suburbs and knock down a house. The ideal block of land is obviously something that's affordable. The flatter the block of land is, the better, because it's easier to build on. Plus you get an amenity and yard space outside the building perimeter. Some of the other factors that our buyers sometimes don't consider is the energy efficiency factor. Is the block facing north along the living rooms and kitchens and family rooms. You don't want your living areas facing west. So you've got to choose the block orientation and the type of product that will suit the northerly, westerly sun and what sort of things will reduce your energy costs. And also the enjoyment of living there. Looking out into the sunset every day while you're trying to make your dinner is not that enjoyable, really. (laughs) Correct. And as the blocks become smaller, which they are, orientation is quite important. The one thing that some people struggle with, I guess, is finding a block of land, making sure that the house they like or can afford will fit on it. So many of our uh, the larger builders in the industry, and especially Metricon, we have a house and land package service. So we will actually have pre-packaged blocks of land 
with the house already sited on it. An estimate of the costs clearly shows how much backyard, etc. they've got. It shows the north orientation and obviously it shows a total budgeted price for people to make a decision on and also get a preliminary approval from their finance authority. So you've touched on the idea that there could be cows walking around on the paddocks still and that's the land where we're going to build our house. What kind of land options are there if I'm looking at building a home, not just the cow paddocks, I'm assuming? (laughs) Oh, there's a wide variety of blocks available. I mean, in regional Victoria, we build on acreages or blocks that are 1,500, 2,000 square metres, which suits a lot of our ranch designs. But within the towns, there's high density like townhouse blocks that could be six or eight metres wide only with rear laneways and garages. We have smart lots that might be 20 by 20 or I think the most popular block at the moment in Melbourne is 14 metres by about 25 metres. Say I want to build a home, a new home obviously, but it feels like I don't know where to begin when it comes to the land. If I come to you, is there a way that you can make that easier for me? Yes, of course. I mean, we qualify people and talk about their accommodation needs. They got kids, are they not going to have kids in the future? How many living areas do they want? Do they need a single garage, double garage, storage for trailer, caravan, boats? And once we work out the sort of home that they need or they're, they're needing, we then can look for blocks that suit that size home. If they have a lot of accommodation needs, quite often we would need to go to a double story. We are in touch with any of our salespeople know pretty much all of the states in a 10, 15K radius. They get updates weekly from the land developers and they know exactly what's available, how big the blocks are and what the cost is. It's very easy for us to put together a package within people's budget and also with the accommodation needs that they want in a home. A land title is a bit like getting your car registered. If you buy a car from a dealership and it's not registered, you can't take it out on the road. A block of land that's not land titled, you can't take out a permit on it. You can't settle it and put it in your name as your ownership and you can't build on it. So if you like, people buy blocks of land off a pre-plan that's been approved by the council and then during the period that you're waiting for settlement, the developer will then put the roads in, put the light poles in, all the underground drainage and wiring and internet, NBN. And then finally, there's an inspection. It's called compliance. And once that happens, the developer lodges the plan with the titles office. And so one big title gets split into 50 small titles. And then the prospective owners can settle on the block. And then their name goes on the title. We can take out a permit and we can start building on that individual title. But as I said, at the moment, some people are buying land maybe 18 months before it's titled through the titles office. And what about, say, mum and dad have got a nice big block of land on the outskirts of one of the capital cities and they've said, right, well, you can build a house on our block of land so that we have like two houses here, for example. That's possible, yes. There is a planning process that they need to go through. I think on some rural properties there's a minimum size that they specify that the block has to be, but They can go through a planning process and carve off some acres for the kids to build on and we quite often deal with customers in that situation. What a nice problem to have that one would be. 
Can I just get you to explain what you mean by land releases as well? I think you've sort of established that really. By land releases, when the land developer actually goes to the market with that particular stage, with a plan, prices, sizes, dimensions. But as I said, the land release could be anywhere. It could be six months or 18 months before the title comes through. Have you got one or two favourite stories of your time throughout the industry that really stick with you? There's been a few others. I mean, we've got one family, for instance, in Geelong that I think we've just built the 11th home in their family in 14 years. So we built for the parents and then the kids and the cousins and I've received some lovely letters from them over the years and we've got a lot of repeat business. It's also pleasing to see the amount of our staff that are actually living in Metricon homes, which it gives people great belief in the product. When they're talking to a customer, they can actually tell the customer, I've been through this process. So they're able to speak with some knowledge and commitment as well. Let's finish out today's episode by going back to Dave. Now, we've all been through a new estate before, but I've always been curious about the process and how building on a new estate works. Dave is a bit of an expert on this, so I asked him to break it down for us. What about if I decide I want to build on an estate? How do I go about doing that? You've kind of touched on the idea that you can look for the best pieces of land within the estate. Is there competition between the builders? I mean, how does it sort of work, that process? When we are building in different estates, they're probably the ones that are developing those cow paddocks that we spoke about. So there is competition between the builders everywhere. I mean, we have display villages where it's probably quite unique in our industry that all of our competitors are right next door to each other and likely that the customers have walked through all of them on that same day. So there is definitely competitiveness in the building side of it. But then in terms of customers choosing their blocks of land, there's definitely competitiveness between the different estates and the different land developers. And as I mentioned before, there's some well-known brands that do a very good job at developing community. And that's why they've had success in that area. So you can have a land development on one side of the road that's putting a lot of money back into the estate with green open spaces, sporting fields, schools childcare centers and everything. And then you'll have a development across the road that just has housing and their plan, I suppose, is to piggyback on the good work that the developer across the road is doing. I think that it's really important to have that in the back of your mind when you are choosing an area because sometimes development that seems on paper to be slightly underpriced compared to the one that you're looking at, but it might be very underserviced and you might be able to get back a lot of that extra cost in the valuation of your property because you're in a much better location. And what you'll find too is that you can have control over your property and what you do with it and making your front garden look really nice and neat, but you can't control what's happening next door to you. And you'll find sometimes in the more established, more trusted developers that they attract a certain level of consumer as well. So you've got like-minded people next to you that also want to make their garden look nice. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing to consider because I guess you do sort of think about that when you're buying an existing house. 
and you can easily see. You just go, okay, well, the next door neighbours don't own a lawnmower. That's clear. (laughs) That's right. But it does sound like the developers seem to try to control a little bit like the look of the houses and to make sure it doesn't become too uniform and that kind of things. You find that those more quality land estates, they do have more stringent requirements on the houses and the facades and different materials. So you don't just have face brick across the whole thing. You have to have a component of render or a component of stone just to change that up. They also don't allow the same facade to be next door to each other or within three properties so that you do have that really nice sort of streetscape. And some of them also have, talking about front gardens, they've got landscaping covenants and other things that they have where you pay a bond or as part of your land price, they do the front landscaping for you. So there's the whole range of things that they do. And it really does make a difference if you drive through a nice, well-kept estate compared to another. I think sometimes people build and they don't budget for outside the home. We've all been to a friend's house when they've renovated or someone who's built a brand new home and then you have to walk over the piles of rubble and the piles of dirt to get in the front door and the house itself is absolutely spiffing, but the outside's dreadful and it can take months, if not years, to kind of get that up to scratch so that it matches the inside. So that's good to know that that's something that can be factored into it. You'll look at certain home and land packages that will include landscaping, letterbox, clothesline, all those things that you sort of forget about. And if you drive through some new land estates, you'll see people with their sheets blue tacked to the windows because they just forgot to factor in blinds. Now, you've just touched on house and land packages. So can you just quickly define what that title is? I mean, I think we've all heard that a million times over, but what does it really include? Yeah, so home and land packages are a great way for a customer to do that tree change or that sea change that we've spoken about because Metricon actually goes to the trouble of partnering with a developer who has the block of land. And then what we do is then we pick, based on all the things that we've spoken about today, we pick the right property on that block of land and then we package it up together and it's a fixed cost. So when we talk about those potential hidden costs in site works and other things, that's all factored into these home and land packages. So it's a great way for someone who hasn't dabbled in building before to get into the market. And especially if they're on a bit of a budget, they know that that price that they're seeing there is incorporating not only the build, but also the extras to the build and also the block of land. So it then aligns itself more with buying an established property. All right. Well, thank you. That's cleared up a lot of things and we've touched on some other parts of the process that we hadn't really thought about before. So it's good. So just to wrap things up, can you tell me what your favorite success story from your time at Metricon is? Well, you've had lots of customer experience. I'm sure you've got some up your sleeve. Thinking back to the bushfires, we did some really good work working with some people that unfortunately lost their properties and we were able to work with them. And it was actually in partnership with the South Sydney Rabbitohs, who we were a sponsor of at the time. One of their longstanding members, we were able to look after them with their home. But then There's plenty of examples like that where we've done charitable things and helped people out, which is great. But I think that probably the best memory that I have is we've got a brand of Metricon called Home Solution, and it's our first home buyer brand, but it's more than that. It's our first home buyers that don't have the full deposit and all intents and purposes, they can't get into the property market. And we do a lot of work with them partnering with some of our land developers to have a low deposit plus savings plan option that we can essentially lock in the price right now 
take them through a savings plan journey and get them to that time where they can build a house. And often these people are so unbelievably grateful because they don't have any other choice. They don't have the luxury of going and buying established or they can't buy a normal home land package or anything. So they're really shocked and they think that they're going to be in the rental cycle for the rest of their lives. So it's probably not one particular customer that comes to mind, but just that particular brand is always really nice feeling for us to be able to help customers get through into that and break that barrier into the first home buyer market. Thanks for listening to episode two of Building the Dream, a podcast by Metricon all about the process of building a new home. In today's episode, we learned about how to decide where you should build your new home. Phil told us about what we need to look out for when picking a site to build on, and Dave outlined how Metricon can help you out with this process. Join us next episode as we balance the books and learn how to budget for your build. But if you're ready to take the plunge now, head over to metricon.com.au and get in touch with a new home advisor. I'm Cecilia Ramsdale, and I'll catch you next time on Building the Dream. Building the Dream.